Welcome to the Partcast series, episode 50, part two, family homelessness and child welfare involvement. The Partcast series brings evidence-informed child welfare practice to life by highlighting literature reviews from the Particle Archives. This podcast will focus on key concepts of housing instability and homelessness, outline the research as it relates to families with these experiences, including the overlap of homelessness and risk assessment, and recommendations for research, practice, and partnership. Introduction and Research Questions This research review will summarize the literature to focus around three key questions about homelessness among families involved in the child welfare system. 1. How common is homelessness among child welfare-involved families? 2. Is family homelessness related to child welfare involvement? 3. What interventions have a strong evidence base to support children or families living in or exiting homelessness? A large body of literature examines the relationship between stability of family housing and child well-being. Children and youth who experience such issues as overcrowding, utility shutoffs, and poor housing conditions are, overall, known to be at risk for poorer outcomes than their peers in domains of mental health and academic achievement. A comprehensive investigation of literature on the impact of homelessness on children highlights the nuances of experiences of homelessness for children. While homelessness can, indeed, have detrimental impacts on children, It is not the case in all instances. Consistent with research across the board, the message that homelessness and related housing instability are nuanced experiences. For instance, not all research finds significant differences between low-income children and homeless children in outcomes of mental health. Homelessness, like most other issues encountered through the child welfare system, are difficult to define, measure, and research. Defining homelessness. The concept of homelessness is unpacked in different ways across the literature, but consistently incorporates multiple criteria in order to capture the subtleties of this experience. Housing insecurity. Housing insecurity is an umbrella term that encompasses multiple types of housing issues. Two categories of housing insecurity are frequently experienced by low-income families and reflected in the literature. Housing instability. Housing instability ranges in severity from frequent moves to eviction and literal homelessness. Housing unaffordability may precede instability. Instability is measured in a few different ways in the literature. For youth, most measures refer to a one-year period following aging out or exit from foster care. Within this period, youth were considered to experience instability if they reported becoming homeless without housing, homeless with housing, or living in a shelter at any point. Risk factors for instability include multiple moves, defined as three or more moves, difficulty affording rent or having been evicted or having experienced literal homelessness previously. Analyses suggest that these indicators are strong characteristics of severe housing problems. Some studies expand on the concept of current housing instability to incorporate historical placement stability, such as history of foster care and running away from care. Housing unaffordability. This problem is largely concentrated at the bottom of the income distribution. There is a general consensus among both researchers and practitioners across disciplines that families that spend more than 30% of their income on housing are considered housing cost burdened, and that those that spend more than 50% of their income are severely housing cost burdened. 
While unaffordability has been identified in the the prevalent housing problem among low-income families, there is little empirical evidence of its direct or indirect impacts on parental stress and well-being. Literal homelessness. This refers to the experience of spending at least one night in a hotel, motel, vehicle, or on the streets or in a shelter in the previous 12 months. Occurrence of homelessness. The following section summarizes the literature to answer multiple research questions about the occurrence or prevalence of homelessness among families. Examples of occurrence research questions include, how many families are experiencing homelessness? How many cases with family homelessness are substantiated? What characteristics do these families have? The ideal research method to answer a question of occurrence is a longitudinal or cross-sectional study. Longitudinal studies allow to determine patterns of family homelessness and capture more detail about the relationships between homelessness and other factors like parental mental health or child school achievement. A cross-sectional study allows an understanding to get an estimate at one point in time of the experience of homelessness. Unfortunately, rates of family homelessness can be more difficult than individual homelessness to estimate, primarily due to doubling up, which is when families experiencing homelessness may reside alongside one or more families, allowing themselves to stay precariously housed rather than living in a shelter or experiencing literal homelessness. If families are not involved with any formal service system, they are not captured in a systematic way and their living arrangements are not documented. Similarly, the data publicly available from the child welfare system does not provide information on the rates of family homelessness. The Homeless Canadians report highlights these issues in data collection and understanding occurrence by saying, in an age of big data and advanced technology, we should be able to know in real time exactly how many Canadians are homeless, who they are, and whether the interventions they receive are effective. We should be able to respond to their needs with a coordinated system of care that is simple for clients to navigate and we should be able to target resources in the homeless system to those who need it the most. Using a new initiative, the 2016 Coordinate Point-in-Time Count, which is a cross-sectional study that measures the number of homeless individuals on a single night, and the Government of Canada's Report on Emergency Shelter Data, the best available estimate is that 35,000 Canadians are homeless on any given night, and that 235,000 Canadians experience homelessness over the course of a year. However, Longitudinal data on the nature and extent of homelessness among families in Canada is lacking. Homelessness and Risk Assessment In Ontario, homelessness itself is defined as an example as an extremely and moderately neglectful conditions under the Ontario eligibility spectrum. Specifically, under physical condition examples is the following example. Child does not have a place of residence or the family is experiencing acute shelter problems, like no heat in the winter. This may include a family living in non-traditional residence, such as tents, cars, and underground garages. This example is followed by a rating scale for the neglect of a child's basic physical needs. The child welfare worker is required to indicate whether the condition identified is experienced in conjunction with any additional conditions and whether these are the reason for intervention. For example, have they caused injury or illness? Are they likely to cause injury, harm, or illness? It is possible that conditions associated with homelessness and poverty, like food insecurity and lack of warm clothing, may contribute to the judgment of risk and the need for intervention. Data is not available on the profiles of families whose risk of maltreatment or neglect is substantiated as a result of living conditions. A national study in the U.S. found that inadequate housing contributed to risk for out-of-home placement in approximately 15% of families under investigation by Child Protective Services. 
these families were four times more likely to need housing services 12 months later. Across the literature and in studies of varying methodological rigor, there is a trend of high rates of reports to CPS among families staying in homeless shelters. It is difficult to measure the exact rates of reports and their substantiation. No national data are available for this. However, one study in California suggests that shelter use, while associated with child protective service referrals and investigations, was not associated with substantiation or removal of children from the home. While this study cannot speak for all reports of child maltreatment or neglect, it is a critical component to critically thinking about risk and opportunity. An unsubstantiated report of neglect or maltreatment may be an early warning sign for preventative housing support. Screening for housing instability and homelessness. A key interaction point of families with the child welfare system is an investigation of maltreatment or neglect. The identification of families at high risk for serious housing issues, including literal homelessness, can have important implications for service delivery that supports youth, child, and family well-being. Quick Risks and Assets for Family Triage, QARFT, is a three-question screening tool designed to identify housing instability and homelessness. This tool is reported on in just one study, however, it is the only such tool reported on in the literature, so it is worth mentioning. QARFT assesses family housing history, current housing arrangement, and current housing condition on a four-point scale from an asset or not a risk to a severe risk. The QARFT is a condensed version of the longer RAFT tool intended to be used by housing service staff to determine service needs. One article reports this tool is effective in identifying high-risk families. A qualitative component of the same study shares worker feedback that the QARFT was both quick and easy to administer. More research is needed to determine whether the QARFT tool is effective in other settings, namely those that do not have an established approach for supportive housing for families in the child welfare system. Longitudinal studies are also required to measure the accuracy of the tool in correctly identifying high-risk families over time. Thinking critically, how does your organization assess housing situations and the need for children, youth, and families? What additional information do you think would be useful? Association. Of particular interest of the topic of family homelessness is whether there is a relationship between homelessness or housing instability and the involvement with child welfare system. Potential research questions could include, does homelessness or housing instability predict child welfare involvement? Is there an association between housing insecurity and child welfare involvement? A correlational study shows both the strength and nature of a relationship between multiple factors. This would be the best available research method to answer this research question. A systematic review or meta-analysis is another great choice, as these methods would combine multiple correlational studies and summarize them in a systematic way. The following section summarizes literature from correlational studies. While these are able to describe existing relationships or associations, they cannot account for all potential relationships. That is, the available research summarizes only one association. It is fairly well established that families involved in child welfare or child protective services are likely to experience housing insecurity. Housing insecurity has been found to be directly associated with neglect risk and influences both abuse and neglect through maternal stress. While housing unaffordability is not independently associated with the risk of abuse or neglect, it is associated with higher maternal stress. The family stress models suggest that severe economic hardship, like poverty, can undermine all other family concerns, 
even seemingly crucial issues such as children or youth's health and safety. Housing insecurity, as well as literal homelessness, are severe forms of hardship and often considered a direct result of poverty. However, research suggests housing insecurity is the result of complex family dynamics and processes and may have different effects on family stress, parenting, and maltreatment risk than poverty itself. Several factors may both precede, co-occur, or result from housing insecurity, including intimate partner violence, parental mental health issues, or parental substance use issues. These factors may independently increase the risk of child neglect or maltreatment, and when occurring alongside housing insecurity may further exasperate perceived risk to child and youth safety. Parental stress may impact child and youth well-being through a lack of parental control over the environment, especially when residing with multiple families, in shelters, or in public spaces. This type of living arrangement also compromises privacy and increases the likelihood that a parent will be monitored, for instance by the shelter service support workers. Some studies refer to this as a fishbowl effect. There is not sufficient literature to state that a fishbowl effect in fact increases the number of substantiation of maltreatment reports. Finally, compounding parental stress is the impact of frequent moves on the ability to maintain important community and social connections. Common Profiles of Families Experiencing Homelessness Historically, individuals experiencing homelessness in Canada were older, single men. The homelessness crisis today is much more diverse, more women, families, and youth are experiencing homelessness than in the past. Unfortunately, there are not many details available in the Canadian context. Data from the point-in-time count suggest women are most likely to be the head of families in shelters, and their average age is 34. The following trends in family homelessness are evident in the literature across studies from both the U.S. and Canada. Families are commonly headed by a single woman in her early 20s with one to two children, usually age six or under. Those at the greatest risk tend to identify with ethnic minorities, including Aboriginal populations in Canada. Family housing history is typically characterized by instability, including doubling up with others and own housing arrangements. Family separation by removal of children from the home is common, both before and after a homelessness episode. Mothers who were separated from their children are more likely to remain homeless than mothers who remain with all their children. Chronic homelessness, which is being homeless for more than a year as an adult, was associated with separation from one's children or child. Among those without substance use issues, those who had recent issues were significantly more likely to be separated from their children. Homeless families are typically extremely poor and experiencing low rates of both educational achievement and employment. Conflict, trauma, and violence are common experiences for families experiencing homelessness. Substance use reports are higher in many studies for mothers who are homeless than for housed women in poor families. Interventions and program evaluation. A randomized control trial is the only method that can determine whether a program or intervention is effective at achieving its stated goals. A non-randomized experiment can compare those in a program with those who are not, and can describe differences between the two groups. However, if the groups were not randomly placed in the program, it is not possible to determine whether the differences were caused by something other than the program itself. Maternal mental health. Minimal research was found describing interventions targeting homeless mothers for outcomes other than housing. One small randomized experiment reported on the impact of housing and support services on mothers' mental health. 
The study ultimately found that both the intervention and control groups saw improvements in mental health problems and rates of part intimate partner violence. Without a comparison group, it could be inferred that the program improves mental health and outcomes. However, notably, similar improvements were found in the control group for mothers who went to a different program. The improvement in mental health outcomes is not due to the intervention itself and may not be generalizable to other mothers experiencing homelessness. At best, it suggests the potential for mental health improvement following any connection to housing and support service. More research is needed in this critical area of support for women. Housing support. There are a handful of experimental and controlled evaluations on housing programs in the United States that target youth in both the general population and those aging out of foster care. Unfortunately, the research base is not sufficiently rigorous to support a statement on the most effective services and supports for families living in or at risk of homelessness. Service components are varied and seemingly arbitrary without experimental research or rigorous evaluation of their impact. In the U.S. context, Family Unification Housing Vouchers, abbreviated as FUP, are reported on in the literature. Comparison studies in a variety of cities find that there is some positive impact of vouchers on preventing removal of children from the home, but little confirmation of benefit on reunification of children already placed out of home. These findings suggest that housing vouchers have the potential to reduce child welfare involvement if agencies target the vouchers at the highest need families. However, vouchers are scarce resources in many cities and can be held by families for a long time, which leads to a slow turnover. Within housing agencies, policies which favor homeless households for housing assistance are associated with reduced substantiation rates. Another key challenge is the lack of evidence surrounding the optimal way to target and distribute vouchers to best promote effectiveness. Permanent housing is consistently discussed as an essential component for mitigating the impact of homelessness on maltreatment. A handful of studies have demonstrated support for family supportive housing on children's well-being. Particularly, Significantly positive impacts on school mobility, school attendance, and math achievement have been found. Longitudinal studies have found evidence of lower child welfare involvement among those receiving supportive housing, including declining rates of child maltreatment reports, substantiation of reports, repeat reports, and out-of-home placement of children over time. Most supportive housing programs for homeless families often operate without knowledge of their outcomes. More rigorous research is needed to corroborate potentially promising findings across contexts. Children's mental health. A systematic review of the literature found that while homeless children compared to housed children experienced higher rates of mental health and behavior problems in general, significant differences were not always found. Importantly, the studies included in this review were not highly rated in terms of quality. They lacked randomization, comparison groups, and standardized measures. Most were cross-sectional and retrospective, or measuring past events or experiences. This type of research cannot determine the true relationship between homelessness and mental health. Another review of interventions for U.S. homeless and foster care children found no interventions that, over that address these overlapping populations, despite the widespread recognition that this population exists. Authors found studies to focus on either case management services for homeless children, or mental health interventions for foster children. This represents a critical gap in the research. Thinking critically. What programs or interventions are available to families experiencing housing concerns in your community? What, if any, relationships exist between your organization and local housing support services? How are these relationships maintained? 
What are the benefits and challenges of these relationships or lack of relationship? Recommendations for research, practice, and partnership. Cross-chain child welfare and housing so service staff on how to screen and address housing issues. Carefully triage client needs. That is, screening methods that scale clients on housing, employment, mental health, and child welfare factors might support services to match client needs to programs or specific support services. Promote partnerships and coordination of services between child welfare organizations and local housing service providers. Increased attention to housing insecurity by child welfare agencies as a point of intervention. Whether the parents are living with their children in homeless circumstances or are formerly homeless parents working to reunify with their children, coordinated, comprehensive, trauma-informed, and family-focused programs are needed to support parenting and family stability. Child welfare leadership can join in on homeless and housing service provider networks to advocate for children, youth, and families. Equitable housing assistance programs are needed for low-income families that are at risk of child maltreatment. In the community, provide and evaluate a range of approaches to address housing issues, like permanent housing or universal vouchers. Child welfare organizations should be involved in the design and evaluation of these programs and policies. Long-term follow-up is critical for transient families and youth. Long-term problems require long-term supports. Conclusion. Who are we missing? The research reviewed on family homelessness and child welfare involvement was largely gathered from academic peer-reviewed journals. Additional searches were conducted to gather more detailed information on the risk assessment process in Canadian context statistics. The intention of this publication is to provide a snapshot of family homelessness by summarizing and critically appraising the research available in the literature. This critical appraisal is not complete without highlighting that diverse people and perspectives are entirely absent from this literature. The above research fails to capture a range of ethnic and cultural backgrounds of Canadian children, youth, and families, including Indigenous, Métis, and First Nations perspectives and experiences. It should be noted that there is a highly gendered perspective that continues to prevail in the literature as it relates to child welfare generally. While females have been identified to head many single-parent households involved with the child welfare system, there is a glaring gap of discourse on the assumptions and nuances that surround this experience, particularly that the absent partner is a male. Are experiences different for homeless mothers who identify as LGBTQ? In what ways are these differences important for our service delivery and support as child welfare practitioners? It is undoubtedly difficult to capture such information, but it does not preclude researchers and practitioners from making an attempt and acknowledging in the research that there are many of those who, whose experiences are not captured. Finally, and so critically, there is a lack of voice in the literature on the very people whose experiences are trying to be understood. The perspectives of parents themselves who experience housing issues and homelessness are missing and in their interactions with the child welfare system. This gap is significant. You have been listening to the Partcast series, Episode 50, Part 2, Family Homelessness and Child Welfare Involvement. The Partcast series is produced by Practice and Research Together, 
a membership-based organization that promotes the understanding and use of evidence-informed practice at all levels of the child welfare system. For more information and additional resources, please visit www.partcanada.org.